1: Again and welcome to episode two hundred and twenty-one of *There's Still Time*, the AFTN Soccer Show. I'm your host Michael McCall, and unfortunately, this is not the episode we had hoped to bring you this week. That was meant to be our two-hour radio show from CITR Radio on Sunday night. Unfortunately, though, there's been some technical issues at the radio station. It is station wide, so they're unable right now to generate any podcasts from the last few days. A fix is in place, and they are working on it as I record this right now. It is likely to take a couple of days, though, for everything to be back to normal, for podcasts to get generated. They're having to move over something like nine months worth of audio from one server to another. So unfortunately, that did leave us in a little bit of a pickle. If it hadn't been for the midweek game against Seattle, we could just really have put out Sunday's show whenever. But we wanted to get some of the the stuff that we had recorded for Seattle out ahead of time. So what we're going to do in this episode, we're going to bring you some player audio, coaches audio and an interview I did in the lead up to the Seattle game. A little bit of chat for me in between, just setting things up and then the, the bulk of Sunday's show will appear as episode 222 that will come out later this week we'll take out the chat that myself Steve Zach and Gideon had about the Seattle game instead I hope to add some post-game Seattle chat into there maybe even set up the Kansas City game as well so we'll see how that goes so watch for another episode to drop later this week Many apologies for this. If you did listen to Sunday's show though live, at least you you did get that, so so thank you for that. What we're going to do to kick this episode off is just look a little bit back at the game on Saturday against Colorado. Huge 2-1 win as it turned out for the Whitecaps, keeping them top of the Western Conference. Now just one point ahead of two teams, Sporting Kansas City and Portland Timbers, both on 47 points, Whitecaps on 48 Seattle blowing it big time at Real Salt Lake to stay four points behind them with a game more played as well. But let's be honest, it wasn't a fantastic performance against the Rapids. This was a game that you expected the Whitecaps to go out and dominate. Four minutes in, when Freddie Montero brilliantly headed home uh, another perfectly placed Jordi Reina cross, you thought, yep, here we go, floodgates are going to open... Comfortable afternoon at the office, maybe three, four goals. Didn't quite work out that way. After the goal, a big bulk of that first half just seemed to get played in the middle third. The penalty boxes just kind of seemed superfluous to to what was going to happen in the game. Whitecats gave up possession as well. Not unexpected when a team is chasing trying to get back into the game. But all things said and done, it didn't really look that that the Caps were in, in too much danger at all. But you just can't switch off for a minute in football. Especially when you're playing against a dangerous and informed striker like Dominic Badge. Unfortunately, that is exactly what Tim Parker did. Ball came into the box. Not really sure what Parker was thinking. What Did he expect Ousted to come out for the ball? Did he think he had more time? Whatever happened, he let Badge get a foot in, poke the ball home past Austed for the equaliser, Full credit to Badgie, third goal in three games, great anticipation from the player to to try and get something to happen. Got Colorado back on level terms and then you're thinking to yourself, wow, what should have been a comfortable game is now a challenge for the second half. Thankfully though, the Caps did regroup, came out stronger, more cohesive at the start of the second half, got the reward nine minutes in with a a flip with Freddie Montero playing the ball into Jordi Reyna. And for me, that was the best assist of the afternoon. For the second week running, a skillful and perfectly placed ball from Montero. Last week it was to Chani at the back post, which he put away. This week to Jordi Reyna. Looked like it had possibly taken a little bounce too much and that Reyna had kind of lost control of it. But what was Tim Howard doing on that goal? Stayed on his line for too long, really should have come out, closing down the angle for Reyna, trying to come and collect the ball, but allowed Reyna to put a little burst in at the end, get to the ball and poke it past Howard. Now, from my point of view, not complaining, but really poor goalkeeping there. But a fantastic finish from Reyna. Fifth goal of the season now, all of them match winners. And this montero reina partnership is really producing the goods right now. Since Reyna came back into the team in July... Reyna's kind of taken Montero to a different level. He's got someone skillful to play up front alongside of him. No coincidence to me that this then ends up as Freddie Montero's equal best MLS season so far in terms of goals, 13 on the year. Yeah, you could argue 12. Tim Parker did, did get that one that he got the credit for. But according to the record books, it is equaling his best ever MLS season and there's still five games to go in the regular season for him. So you have to expect he's going to beat that and get his best ever MLS season. And obviously it would be wonderful if he got that 14th goal and had his best ever MLS season in terms of goals in his old stomping ground off Seattle on Wednesday night. More on that later though. So the Caps 2-1 up, over half an hour to go. They did see the game out fairly comfortably. There was a few little kind of heart and mouth moments maybe at, towards the end as some balls came into the box. But on the whole, team did well. A little bit of a, a makeshift defence. Marcel de Jong came in for Jordan Harvey. That was tactical. Andrew Jacobson also came in for the suspended Kendall Waston. And that maybe raised some eyebrows because obviously you sign a centre-back in Arnmond, but then you end up playing a defensive midfielder back there. Now the reason for that was chemistry. Jacobson and Parker have played together. They have an understanding Mon's only appearance for the Whitecaps so far was alongside Kendall Waston, so for me that made a lot of sense. De Jong for Harvey at left-back. It wasn't De Jong's best performance kinda coming in and covering. He's been looking really good in the previous games he's played. For me, he wasn't as strong this week. Ali Gazal did well in another start, forming quite a nice partnership beside Tony Chani. Maybe getting a little bit put off by some bounces, especially in the second half. I think he's still getting used to to playing on turf, but I mean, they did well together. Good to see Chani not pick up a booking that would see him suspended for the Seattle game. Even better was not seeing Freddie Montero picking up a booking heading into that Seattle game. And for me, the man in the match was clearly between Montero or Reyna. You could probably have given it to either, but I'm going to give the nod to Freddie Montero. As I said at the start of the show, we'll have a little bit more analysis from the game when we bring out the podcast later in the week. So watch for that in episode 222. But that was some of my thoughts on the game. Let's hear now from both head coaches. We'll hear from the Whitecaps' Carl Robinson. And we'll hear from Colorado Rapids' interim head coach, Steve
2: Cook.
3: Colorado, Colorado,
2: beautiful place that you are. out
4: tomorrow before you go very far.
5: I-, I couldn't be prouder of the players. You know, they have been working extremely hard in training and they and they've they've really come out tonight I think and not only worked hard and and, and-, and- been together in terms of that kind of a performance but with the ball I thought it was one of our best performances of the season if not the best performance of the season with the ball and I think we're a little unfortunate not to create a couple more openings Uh, second half I thought we really took the game to them Uh, unfortunately uh, they got that one ball over the top and and, and it's a goal and uh, but from my perspective sometimes you don't get what you quite deserve in the game I think certainly tonight we're very good value for at least a point and probably a win in my opinion um, and, and again, I couldn't be prouder of the players. They've, they're bitterly disappointed. They're, they're devastated in there that they haven't got a, a win um, or, or at least a point. And that's because they have been putting the work in. That's because they have been doing everything they can possibly do to not only play well but keep making progress. And that's a that's a group of players in there that are quiet. They're disappointed. And rightly so, because they played exceptionally well and and should have won the game. Uh, And I'm delighted that they're they're disappointed because uh, it shows that they care. It shows that they're a group of professionals who still want to win games and do really well in this league for each other.
4: The Colorado team last year, they, they, they surprised everybody about making the playoffs. This year, obviously, it's a setback. But do you find you have the building foundations to return to that next year?
5: Yeah, I'm really pleased this last few weeks. You know, the guys on the training ground have really taken to the work. They've really... Uh, put in their time and they've worked extremely hard from a from a sports science perspective the numbers have been higher than they've been all season and I think it's starting to show they believe that they can be a good team they believe that they can win games at major league soccer and I'm extremely positive not only for uh, this coming Wednesday and and obviously the games for the rest of the season but I'm very positive about uh, 2018 as well
4: you've been with the club since 2010 yeah Um, uh, how much do you want to be leading that club uh, this club next year
5: well, as you know, I've, I've had several roles in the club. You know, this is uh, I'm not new to, to the industry. It's, it's something I've been doing for a while. Eight years I've spent it in the club and I know the club inside out. I know the culture. I know the the way that the club operates and I know the players intimately well. Uh, and again, they're a great group of people. I love leading the guys. It's something that I'm very passionate about. I want the, the team to do well. I want the club to do well. Uh, and I couldn't be prouder of the players in terms of what they're doing. Uh, the decision of whether I'm the leader next year is is out of my hands. That's somebody else's choice. My only obligation at this point is to prepare these players as best as I possibly can, get them ready for Wednesday night in Dallas, uh, and that is my only focus.
4: Uh, last question. If, if, like, in the preparation um, of this game and obviously what you saw today, uh, from the Whitecaps' perspective, what do you see with them and, and what, can, what, what can they do in the playoffs, uh, in your opinion?
5: I think they can be an excellent team in the playoffs because... Um, a little bit like ourselves they last year they, they maybe defend a little bit deep and I look at the, the games they've won recently at home, I think it's uh, six games now that they've, they've played unbeaten at home, four wins, two ties uh, and in those games they've had about 40% possession there and thereabouts in each of those games, so they're obviously able to defend in in that low and mid block, and when you look at players like Montero and Rayner and Tachera, Brett Shea there coming through uh, on the counter-attack, I think they're exceptionally talented players, very good players, I think Carl's done a, a magnificent job, carl has been here quite a while now, but... Um, Obviously, he came in and uh, I think it was probably about 2012, maybe, Somewhere something right like that. Yep. And uh, I think the, the growth of the group, the growth of the club in that period has been outstanding. So I have, I have every respect for Carl Robinson and his staff and the players here because they're, for me, they're at the top of the league and deservedly so. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you.
2: Great character. Again, I talk about it all the time with my group. And not just the certain players, all players stepped up today, you know, AJ's an example of not being in the team for a few weeks and, and coming in and playing brilliant in place of Kendall. Obviously, Freddie and Jordi at the, two, at the top end of the pitch need to do their job. They did their job. Uh, I just said it, it was a thoroughly professional performance, uh, but we gave away a bad goal and we didn't put it away. And by that, I mean the bug, Bernie, uh, Jordi, Freddie should have scored when they had Shea should have scored when they had the opportunities and we didn't. And when you don't do that, you leave teams hanging and you know, cookies come in and they got nothing to lose. <laughs> the fullbacks are high and they, they play gung ho football, which is dangerous. Uh, so I was a little bit worried, uh, but credit to the guys. That was
1: Freddie's thirteenth goal of the season which ties his his
2: best ever season in MLS.
1: Can you just say a little bit about his play since the summer, especially since Yordi's come in beside him?
2: Yeah, I don't like the number 13, so hopefully he can get 14 on Wednesday if he plays, if I select him, which I'm sure I will. Um, he, he's grown. I think he's got more confident. I think the, the little fundamentals that I want my forward player to do, hold the ball up, react positively, encourage the team, he, he, he's done better. And that's credit to him. And when, you, when you're confident, you're enjoying your football, and Freddie certainly is, you get into goal scoring opportunities, areas... He, should have, he could have scored three goals today. You know, he, in the first half, the boy defended him very well. When he took a touch, he gets his goal. Great bit of skill by Yordi, and, and then he gets across Tim Howard in the, in the second half. And on another day, that's another goal. So he's just got to keep pushing. He works on it every day. He, he does shooting every single day after training, as well as Yordi and Bug and all the South Americans. So um, you get your rewards if you put the work in. But he's been brilliant for this organization.
1: You don't look at standings and you, you probably don't care too much, but do you feel this team gets the respect
2: it should get compared to some of the other teams in the division and the attention that they get? Uh, is that a two-part question? The first part, no, I don't look at standings. The second part, no, I don't care. My boys work hard every single day. And, you know, things. you can cover things over or, or you can just look at things And if you look at things, those boys are giving me absolutely everything. And they're performing to the levels I expect them to and I demand them to. So people want to give us credit. Great. If they don't, hey, no problem. I'll shake your hand and smile.
1: Both head coaches there, Kyle Robinson and Steve Cook, talking about the game on Saturday. One aspect which we kind of briefly talked about there was the fact that there were some changes in the defence. The biggest of which and the biggest loss was Kendall Waston being suspended. Now it was a good game for Kendall to get his suspension out of the way. I'd rather he picked up the yellow and missed a game like Colorado than not pick up a yellow, get booked on Saturday and then miss a big game against Seattle. But his aerial presence was clearly missed in the Vancouver box. In the closing minutes when the Rapids were sending a few balls in, I was a little bit concerned. Wasn't really sure if Jacobson and Parker were going to deal with him when you've got a big guy like Schoberg up there. You need someone like Kendall heading those balls away. The Cats didn't have that. They did, thankfully, though, hold on. And it was just a game that did show the importance of Kendall Waston to this team. He's had a great season after a pretty shaky 2016 lot of mistakes from the big man, some really stupid ones that led to some suspensions, but he's come back, he's knuckled down, he's back to his best. He's playing some of the best football we've seen from him in a white cap shirt. Got the added responsibility as well of being the captain. And he's, he's having a really good year. I got a chance to speak to Kendall for something that we're doing for our extra podcast later this month. So at the end of chatting to him about stuff for that, I just had a very quick chat with him about how he feels this season is going for him personally, and what what being captain of this side means to him. So let's hear now from Whitecaps captain, Kendall Waston. You've had a great season personally. Last season maybe wasn't as good as your first but you've come back, you've had a fantastic year. Do you feel you're playing it
6: like maybe the best that you've played since you've come to the Whitecaps? Well, last year it wasn't a a great year for me but um, this year I think it's going well. Hopefully we could qualify to the playoffs, that is the main mentality and the... Goal that everybody have, and personally, I think that I've been doing things well, but I want to improve every day. The partnership that you've got with Timmy, uh, it's so strong. It's one of the best in MLS. You feel really
1: comfortable out there with him.
6: Yeah, it's very nice playing with Timmy. Um, I think we are a good complement when each other. uh, When someone of us is tired or um, having a hard game, the other one is supporting. Um, back there, but I think that that is part of uh, being a teammate and knowing that um, the the good of the other is the the good of all of us. I don't know if you can understand me, but yeah. but yes, I think that um, that compliment between us are, is doing us good. Being the captain of the club, what has that meant to you this year? A lot. It's a lot of responsibility. It's an honor and. I only want to to be the best I can to to represent um, in a good way the club. So Kendall Waston there. Thankfully he's
1: going to be back for the game in Seattle on Wednesday night. Big, big, big to have him back for that one. And what a game this is going to be. What a match. Whitecaps heading down there. First in the West. Four points ahead of the Sounders with a game in hand. For me... A win against Seattle on Wednesday night will see us finish above Seattle in the playoff standings. Whitecats heading into this, unbeaten in seven, five wins and two draws. Sounders at the weekend suffered their first loss in 14 matches. They'd been on a 13-game unbeaten streak. But they weren't playing their greatest football in that. The last four games off that unbeaten 13-match run were all draws. 3-1-1 draws, 1-0-0 draw. One of those being against Vancouver up here just a few weeks back. Saturday's loss in RSL though, made it two games now that Seattle have been kept off the score sheet and extended their winless run to five matches. Any panic down there right now? Well there did definitely seem to be some after, after the game on Saturday. Some contentious refereeing decisions as well. I mean, the last 20-25 minutes of that game was excellent. If you get a chance to see it on MLS Live, make sure you do so, because referee Stoika, who in my opinion is one of the worst in MLS, definitely had a say on that, missed an elbow to Roldan, which clearly annoyed the hell out of Roldan. Then there were some incidents in stoppage time. Lamar Nagel pushed over one of the Salt Lake guys, only got a yellow card for it. For me, I would have given a red. I am slightly biased, though. But, I mean, that that was a fantastic game. What kind of mood, though, that sets Seattle up in heading into this game on Wednesday, I don't know. One man who might, though, is Radio Cascadia's Stephen Agan. And I'm delighted to say we have him on the phone just now. Thank you for joining us, Stephen.
4: Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Excited to be here.
1: Now, big game coming up on Wednesday. Not quite as big as when we talked about it on Saturday we thought it might be first versus second. Now, strange set of weekend results has, has made it first versus fourth. But as with all Cascadian derbies, there's a lot on the line. But looking at the, the Western Conference standings just now, this does feel like it's one of the, the biggest Seattle-Vancouver games for a long, long time. Really pivotal. And, and it's hard to see any way uh, that
4: this game doesn't end up deciding the, the relative positions of these two clubs. Uh, particularly when you factor in the other derby at the end of the year. Um, Pretty neat that these games uh, did work out, that the schedule did work out the way uh, it has. Um, Everybody's so tightly grouped together,
1: and we're going to get a chance to see them differentiate themselves. And I think that's the best we can ask for. Now, looking at Seattle for a little bit, I've been kind of very surprised at the reaction to the loss on Saturday. Now, losing to Salt Lake is a, a bit of a surprise, but Salt Lake have been on a good run. They really tested the White Caps up here just a couple of games ago. But Seattle, thirteen game unbeaten run. Then they lose one game, and just looking at some of the online comments, even on MLS soccer itself, it kinda it's like the fans are feeling that the the sky is falling, which to me seems baffling having lost one game in fourteen.
4: Well, you know, they're also in five at this point, and Hmm. the the match against RSL, uh, we saw the continuation of a number of problems uh, that popped up in the previous four draws that they'd had before that, and uh, to be honest, the the winless run looked good on paper, but I think that when you break it down, uh, it's not quite as impressive as as what maybe it looks like on the surface. Um, The stat I have here is that Seattle are uh, four wins, five draws, and seven losses against other clubs uh, in the top 12 in the league in the Supporters' Shield. Um, during that run, they had one win against a top 12 club, uh, just SKC, and that was a 1 0 win on August 12th. Um, and beyond that, they, they didn't beat anybody. They didn't beat anybody good. Uh, and the fact is that Seattle has struggled this year, uh, primarily against teams around them or above them in the table. And so I didn't really see anything in that stretch, even though it was a good stretch that, that you know picked up a lot of points for them, put them in a playoff spot. I didn't see anything from them, didn't see any signature wins from them that make me think that they can challenge the top teams in the West or, to be honest, you know, certainly any of the top teams in the East.
1: Yeah, it, it's a, it was a strange kind of run. Six wins, seven draws in that 13. And then, as you say, win, winless in five, including dropping points to LA, which nobody really seems to do anymore, and Dallas, which nobody seems to do anymore. I mean, surely Seattle will make the playoffs. So, I mean, they're five points above the red line, do you see any way that they're not going to at least get in the playoffs?
4: Well, they've got matches against, you know, two other clubs in their last four uh, who are also fighting for playoff berths. I think that the games against Philly and Colorado are really helpful because at this point they have very little to play for. Um, But the fact is that I think almost every other team uh, in or around a playoff berth is playing better soccer than Seattle is right now. And therefore, you know, you really can't take it for granted that they're going to pick up any points in those games if they play the way they have been.
1: Now, the Salt Lake game yesterday, Steve and myself, the, the Whitecaps game, it was a little bit boring at times. A lot of it seemed to be played in the middle third. So we, we cranked up MLS Live and we were watching the end of Salt Lake and Seattle that was a very feisty closing few minutes there, the elbow and roll down that was inexplicably not called, and then the kind of pushing and shoving and stoppage time. Is it sort of paramount as to or testament as to there's some frustration in the Seattle ranks just now with, with how things are going on the pitch?
4: I think that there definitely is, and it, it's starting to show through. Um, you know, I asked Brian Schmetzer after the 1-1 draw at BC Place uh, five, six weeks ago, uh, if the fact that his team hadn't scored from the run-of-play in two matches at that point uh, was a concern or just coincidence for him. And he told me on that night that it was coincidence. The fact is, since that time, Seattle has only managed to add one open play goal. Uh, that was the equalizer in that L.A. match in that draw. Um, they have they have had such a hard time creating chances and scoring, and it's, it's starting to show through with, with everybody in every aspect of the club and uh, it's, it's a huge issue, and they, they don't seem to have answers for it. I, I don't have an answer for it, um, but the best thing I can tell you at this point is that there's a lot of talent out there, and, and they're just not playing to the level that they should
1: be. Now, it's interesting to hear you say that, because it sounds so like what the White Cats were like at the start of the season. I, I It felt like weeks that we were going on to Robo about, oh, there's not been goals from open play, and... Yeah, you're scoring from set pieces and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, obviously we turned that around and it's better if you're doing that early in the season than at this important time of the season. But set piece play for Vancouver has been huge. Does that look like, with with Jordan Morris being out, does that look like the best sort of return for Seattle now is through set pieces? Or do you feel that there is somebody that's going to step up and kind of fill this void that's been left by Morris?
4: You know, I think that they're learning to cope without Morris. It's certainly a change, and there aren't there aren't so many guys on this roster in the attacking parts of the pitch uh, that have a lot of pace, and and that's a hard thing to replicate if you lose it. Um, having Joven Jones uh, be available in the midfield band of three now, with Nuhutolo frequently starting at left back, is helpful and helps solve some of that problem. Uh, but fact is, um, I would say I would say what has happened with Joven Jones has been almost as influential as Morris. Uh, Morris's hamstring. Um, just in that, Jovan Jones hasn't been the same himself uh, since his little debacle with the Trinidad and Tobago national team. Um, Seattle's lost pace options, and I and I don't know that they found a way to cope with that. They don't. They don't have any ways to play between lines to get in behind people. Um, Will Bruin's doing fine as a target forward, but he's not Jordan Morris, and he's not going to do Jordan Morris things. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, Jordan's had a tough year only scored three goals uh but between joven jones moving around a little bit losing morris uh trying to reintegrate bruin now and uh and, and having all these pieces happen at once along with trying to fit victor rodriguez in there uh, it all of a sudden feels like there's a lot of moving parts and the chemistry needs to be regained and that's a weird thing to say because they, they haven't changed this roster all that much um and, and you didn't expect that you didn't expect that have to be uh, putting things together, figuring things out right now. Uh, that's the most surprising aspect for me. When you look at this run that they went on, you expected them to be humming when they got to this point, whether they dropped a couple of games or not. And at this point, they seem to be regressing. It's it's tough to talk about how, how are they going to get better because they don't seem to be done regressing yet.
1: See, that's a, it is interesting and surprising to, to hear you say that because you don't want to be... Tinkering with trying to find your best roster at at this time of the season. Now, obviously, Vancouver's on a bit of a run. Seven games unbeaten now. Not playing blindingly good football at times, though. It it does have to be said. But what worries you from a Seattle perspective? I know you like to try and stay impartial. But from a Seattle perspective, what would worry you about this Vancouver team that's heading to CenturyLink on Wednesday night? I mean, I think on
4: the surface level, we don't have to make it more complicated than the fact that the Whitecaps are playing, you know, if, if not uh, spectacular soccer, playing effective, winning soccer, and the Sounders haven't done that lately. Um, I, I think it's interesting uh, that, you know, like you talked about earlier this year, uh, Robinson, you know, took some time to try and figure things out. And uh, I know that there's been more than one occasion where I've called you up or, or messaged you on Twitter saying, hey, look, I just, I absolutely can't figure this one out. There's, you know, lineup <laughs> yeah. decisions here and there that just. Uh, seemed a little bit beyond uh, the information that I had available to me. Um, he's figured it out, right? And and he's got more than 11 starters, but he seems on a weekly basis to be uh, figuring out how to get the balance right, how to get the tactics right, and Whitecaps, you know, uh, on this long, unbeaten run themselves now, uh, whereas Sounders played mostly the same guys for most of the year and are now scrambling to figure out what's going on, right? And so... The Whitecaps seem to be a group coming together to me and, and finding their chemistry, finding their style, and Sounders are losing their grip on theirs. Um, uh, the Whitecaps are playing uh, very effective soccer. Um, the, the Reina-Montero partnership looks good, and uh, if I had to answer your question directly, I'm sorry, I've done in a bit of a roundabout way here, uh, I would say that I think Freddie Montero is going to be really, really up for it. And I don't know that anybody on the Seattle roster is going to have the passion in that match that Freddie does. And I'm uh, curious and excited to see what he's able to do.
1: Speaking to him after the game on Saturday night, he was really... He's hes, he's unsure of what kind of reaction he's going to get when he goes back. Obviously, he scored three goals in the, the two games here against Seattle. So any sentiment on his side's completely gone. Uh, he still has a very close affinity to Seattle and to the Sounders. Do you see him getting a a warm reception akin to kind of what Kikuta Mani got here or will it be maybe hostile during the game and then before it and after it will be when you see kind of some affectionate signs from the Sounders fan base?
4: You know we had Ziggy back a few weeks ago for the first time and that was kind of an odd experience Um, and it was almost almost uniformly positive uh, he was cheered when his name was announced on the video board uh, and then he was cheered as he walked onto the field to like go over to the bench and shook hands with every member of the Seattle staff on the way there um, I, I think with Freddie we will see a similar idea all business during the game um, you know how fans are during the game if there's yeah. a if there's a foul call and somebody thinks it's soft uh, you know sure they'll boo but I, I think that he'll be cheered in warm-ups I think he'll be cheered when he acknowledges the fans on the field. Um and I think uh I think I expect to see the same level of class that we saw both Manet and uh Chani display this weekend.
1: Yes, it's certainly gonna be an interesting match. Really looking forward to this one. I I I'm confident the Vancouver's mostly recent good form in Seattle is gonna continue. I do expect some changes. I mean, you talked there about Robinson making some changes. I think there will be tinkering to the team that you saw on Saturday because you've also got one eye on a big game now against second-place Sporting Kansas City at the weekend. Do you see Seattle mixing it up a lot from that team that lost in Salt Lake or is the personnel just not there to allow them to mix it up right now? I think it'll be interesting. See if they find a way to get Nuhu
4: and Jovan Jones on the field at the same time. But for the most part, we can expect to see Brian Schmetzer put out whatever he thinks his strongest 11 is for this match. Um, he takes derbies very seriously, and I, I think that he'll throw everything he's got at this. Um, that being said, I think that's probably about the same as what he did with Salt Lake. Uh, there's a question of whether Chad Marshall will be available to start or not. He was on the bench in Utah, um, and I'm not really sure what his status will be just yet on Wednesday. Um, But beyond that, I I expect to see about the same group, and I think that that's probably what they consider their first-choice group.
1: So just before we go, Stephen, I always like to to put you on the spot. How are you expecting this one to, to play out on Wednesday night? Yeah, for sure. That, that's going to be a cracker. Thank you so much for, for joining us tonight, Stephen. Looking forward to, to seeing you on Wednesday night at the match. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you and your work online.
4: Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Uh, you can find me online at Stephen underscore Agen, A-G-E-N, on Twitter. You can find our podcast, which, Michael, you're kind enough to join us on every week, uh, talking white cap, Sounders and Timbers at radio underscore Cascadia on Twitter. and uh, Thanks
1: again, Michael. That's great. Thanks so much, Stephen, and we'll see you on Wednesday night. So Stephen Agin from Radio Cascadia there, setting the match up perfectly for Wednesday night. I will also be joining Stephen this week on Radio Cascadia just to set the match up as well, so watch out for that podcast. We'll have it up on AFTN as well. So there's a lot of big talking points heading into the game. The biggest one, of course, is the return for the first time of Freddie Montero to Seattle, As an opposing player. Three goals in the two games against him so far. So in my mind all his sentiment has gone out the window. He clearly has a place in his heart for the Sounders. But if you cut him now he bleeds blue and white. And it would be fantastic and it would be fitting if he scored his 14th goal. And had his best ever MLS season as we said at the start of the show. By doing it in his old stomping ground in Seattle. Hat trick would be nice. That's maybe getting a little bit greedy. But there's definitely a lot of emotions for Montero heading into this one. So let's just hear what you had to say about that after the game on Saturday. Just talking about heading back to Seattle for the first time and a few more things as well.
3: I mean, obviously Wednesday's coming
4: up with Seattle. What, 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 what kind of reception do you, do you expect there?
3: I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Um, I'm excited to see that. I respect all the people in Seattle and, and I mean, I have a good past with them. But uh, the history today say that uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm with Whitecaps. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I just want to try to win the game, you know, for my team. Do you expect it to be emotional? Well, it's going to be at some point. Um, when, when the referee blows the whistle, uh, I know I, I'm going to try to win the three points for my team.
4: What did your time in Seattle mean to you?
3: Well, it was a good time, uh, of course. Uh, Seattle adopted me as as one of the the players and uh, of course I did um, win many trophies with them you know three open cup but uh yeah they gave me the opportunity you know to go to Europe and to to, to make my dream come true and uh, I'm so thankful to them and yeah, I'm back in MLS but it's now with Seattle so I think it's important to talk about Whitecaps now. Your goal tonight that matched your best ever season in, in MLS so
1: far. When you look at what the player you were four years ago and the player you are now, how has your game
3: improved? Well, before I, I obviously as a young player I, I wanted to just to do my game but now it's, it's much more about that. I can help the youngest i can help the team i can uh, even uh, when the team needs me to come back to you know to defend the free kicks the corner kicks i have to be there for the team and that's something that maybe before i i didn't understand why i have to do that and yeah i, I have more experience now and i have 13 goals maybe matching what i did in the past But uh, the way that we play, the way that the team is uh, looking forward every single game here, I I feel like it means a lot for me now.
1: And there's a four-point lead at the top. The Whitecaps maybe don't get the attention or the respect that some of the other teams in the West get. Do you notice that or do you care or
3: do you like being kind of the underdogs? Yeah, we don't mind to, to gain all this attention that maybe the other teams are having. We are trying to talk into the field. We, we don't want uh, anything uh, coming from the media or coming from from all the, the teams that we are playing against. We want to show them in, in the field we, we are playing against 11 other players. and It's going to be tough to beat this team, I'm telling you.
1: And you went into the game tonight one
3: yellow card away from suspension. Does <laughs> that play in
1: your mind at all, knowing what a big game is, is coming up? Do you change your game at all?
3: Yeah, yeah, of course it was, it was on my mind. But uh, as I said before, honestly I played game by game and and this was a game important for us. We wanted to win at home three points and uh, and I can tell you that I forgot that as soon as as I scored that goal. Thanks Freddie.
1: Good luck on Wednesday. So Freddie Montero there, definitely going to be an emotional night for him. I do fancy him popping one away. I think he will get a good reaction before the game in the warm-ups when his name gets called out. After the game as well. I'm hoping that the Sounders fans give him their heart. And then he takes that. Crushes it. And gets a hat trick. Whether he gets a hat trick or not. I do fancy Vancouver to score 3 in this one. I'm going for a 3-1 prediction. Keep the Whitecaps top of the West. Pole position for the Cascadia Cup standings. With one game to go. And setting them up very nicely. For what is a difficult end to the season. Five games remaining. Only one of them at home. It's a ridiculous schedule. Now, whether it was the Whitecaps this was affecting, or Seattle, or Portland, I would feel the same way. No way should any team in MLS have to play four of the last five matches on the road. It is absolutely ridiculous scheduling. And it couldn't be bigger games for the Whitecaps either. Three of those four road matches are against the three teams directly below them in the standings. And with one point between the top three, it makes Saturday's game against Sporting Kansas City even more vital. The Whitecaps are going to be staying in Seattle after the game, training in Seattle on Thursday morning before flying directly to the game in Kansas City. So at least that's a little less travel for them. It does mean they're going to have to take their full squad down to Seattle, but that's no bad thing either for team chemistry. But these three games against Seattle, Kansas City, and then the last game of the season in Portland, which is setting up already to be a fantastic occasion, another absolute cracker. Hopefully Portland won't repay the favour that that we did to them at the end of last year, playing party poopers. But of course it could end up that that is a a battle for first or second, or to to get into the top two places. Portland do have two more games played than Vancouver, so the Caps do have that in their locker against the Timbers. For me, it's a battle between Kansas City and the Whitecaps to finish first. I still think Kansas City's going to pip us for first place and win the Western Conference during the regular season. I'd take a top two finish, though, any day of the week. It would just be nice, of course, to, to finish first. But with these games coming up, does that make Carl Robinson and the players approach them slightly differently? Do they go out there trying not to lose as opposed to going there and trying to get the win? Either way, we're going to see counter-attacking football from the Whitecaps. That's guaranteed. It's the only way they play. But we have seen it before. When the Whitecaps go out there, try and soak up the pressure, maybe sneak a draw, try not to lose, it doesn't always go well. It does feel like it's a different team this season, though, from seasons past, so maybe you can't read too much into that. But from speaking to Carol Robinson and a few of the players during the week... That's not how they're going to approach these games. They're going to approach it in the same mindset. They're not going to care who they play. They're not going to care where they play. And they're not going to care where these teams are on the table. I'm just going to bring you a, a final little bit of audio now from Jordan Harvey, David Ousted, and Carl Robinson. Just talking about all those things and how do you approach three massive road games against three teams that are breathing down your neck? Well, here's what I had to say. The West's always tight. Can you believe exactly how tight it is? It's like four teams at the top and these other four teams battling to try and get into
0: the playoffs. Yeah, it's really interesting. Each and every year, it's either the West or the East that looks like uh, they maybe have the better conference. And this year, the East has so many points, it seems like they may have the better conference. But, um, you know, it just means for me that the West is a little bit more competitive. Um, And like you said, it's so tight. Um, I don't know how many points separate I don't study the standings <laughs> as much as you guys maybe, <laughs> one point yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, like you said it's competitive and uh, hopefully um, you know, because of our competition we stay on top So you're now heading to play
1: those three teams on the road does that change your game plan, knowing that you are ahead of them, you maybe think a draw is fine in a game like this? or No, there's...
0: no, it doesn't change the game plan I think that's what's made us successful, is that we're always shooting for three points, and then you kind of let the chips fall where they may. I think in the past, sometimes when you play not to lose, you don't get anything, and we're playing always to win, and for us, this group, this team, this coaching staff, um, playing with that mindset is always better.
7: Yeah, I honestly feel like we're uh, we're, we're here every year. It's, it's such a tough Western Conference, and, and it has been the last couple of years to get in that playoff. Uh, we're in a good position this year, and, and, and we want to stay there. Uh, but it takes focus, it takes a lot of hard work into these uh, fall months.
1: Do you look at the table at all?
7: Like Jordan says, never looks at. He didn't actually know that there was only one point between the top four. Do you um, pay much attention to it? I know where the line is. Let's say that. Uh, but other than that, no, not uh, when it's this tight. Honestly, it can it can change in a weekend. Kind of, like you, you go from first to, to fifth or sixth. So, um, as it is right now, like I said, we're we're focusing on one game at a time and. and we haven't done anything yet and we need to, to, to keep that in mind, keep focused and keep working hard.
1: And you're going to the three teams that's immediate below you in the next couple
7: of weeks. Is it almost like the playoffs are starting now? Yeah, you say that. Uh, it's obviously uh, a tough task to go into those places but it, it's also the, the games you want to play. It's those games that make it fun. You're playing rivals, you're playing um, teams that are at the top and, uh, and those are those are fun. You always like to plan your teams a little bit ahead and know when you're going to make
1: changes. The three teams that's one point below, you're going to all three. Does yeah. that affect what you're going to do? Are you going to have to just take it game by game or do you have a set plan as to what you'd like
2: to do? I have a set plan, um, but it won't affect where they are in the table. You know, I won't think, well, they're one point behind us so we've got to make sure we don't lose the game. We're, we'll go out and try and win the game. We're we're a very good team away from home. We've managed to win a couple of games on the road this season, uh, but I, I pick my team based and personnel based upon who we're playing. So if we go and play against... Kansas City that will probably be different to when we go and play against Portland you know different styles different teams give up give you different problems and I've got a group of players here that got different characteristics and you know it's sometimes it's strictly tactical sometimes I'm resting players sometimes I want energy in the team which is why I make changes so you know I won't look at where they are in the table I'll just focus on us and what is the best matchup for us to try and get a result against those teams well
1: it's certainly good to hear that the caps are just going to go for it they're not going to care who these teams are where they're playing or where they sit in the table They're going to go for the three points in the matches. Whether it works out that way, I guess we'll soon find out. We'll know more by the time we do our next show on Sunday. That is it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As I said at the start of the show, many apologies for the technical problems. Out with our control completely. But we will bring you episode 222 later in the week. Check your podcast feeds for that to drop. We'll have the bulk of Sunday's show minus some stuff that's no longer relevant and the audio that we played in in this episode. And we'll look a little bit back at the Seattle game and maybe set up Kansas City as well. Thank you for bearing with us. I know it's not a lot of fun just listening to me ramble on. We'll have the rest of the guys back soon. And until then, you can find us online at AFTN Canada on Twitter, AFTN Soccer on Instagram, and read all our stuff away from the numbers AFTN.ca every day of the week online. I'm Michael McCall. Thank you for joining me for this episode. We'll be back soon. And until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Let's screw over the sounders and mawn
2: the caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.